big welcome to all of you out there. Today I have a very special person with me from the Eastern Australia. It's the other side of the world for me. It's fantastic. A big welcome to you, uh, Janice Bird. Thank you, Anne. I'm really grateful to be connecting with you today. It's so exciting to hear about your life. You have a story and uh, please tell us how, how you started with horses and uh, what you are today. Yeah, so some of you were from the land down under and our biggest uh, horse race in Australia is actually called the Melbourne Cup. And uh, interesting story is I was born on the day of the Melbourne Cup, actually, while the race was being run. So I guess it's kind of fate that I was going to have a horse inspired life. Uh, yeah. I didn't grow up with horses, so I always really connected with them and loved to be around them. And any chance I got, I would beg my mum and dad to go horse riding. Uh, then when I was 21, I just decided I thought I'm going to commit to this. And I went to a riding school and I, I learned how to ride horses. And then Eventually, when I was a little bit older, I was able to get my first horse and she was uh, basically unstarted green uh, chestnut Arabian mare. So mm -hmm. not not exactly the uh, easiest starting <laughs> horse, but she, oh. she taught me fast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and yeah, as I was saying before, and I, I did some endurance riding in my early um, career. And then I worked at a few racetracks. Um, doing the stable hand and I seem to have a bit of an affinity for the naughty horses and the horses that were a little bit misunderstood I could calm them down and um, yeah I was in a really uh, fast-paced corporate job in healthcare and after the birth of my second child I was sort of having one of these career moments going is this it and um, someone said to me well why don't you learn how to do equine therapy and that way you can keep your health career, but you can also have some time with horses. So mm -hmm. for the last uh, 10 years, I've been running equine therapy and equine assisted learning programs uh, on the east coast of Australia. It's a, it must be a dream job. <laughs> Most days it is a dream job, but I think uh, there is some truth in the saying, don't work with animals and children. Uh, because sometimes, so we'll have uh, children from school, so we can have up to 12 or 15 teenagers come out. Uh, oh. So, yeah, I have a few more grey hairs than most people my age because of those days. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's a very, um, it's been an, in, for a long time I had two jobs, so I kept my corporate job and I was doing this on the side. Um, I travelled to America twice to work with my mentor um, and teacher who's I've followed her learnings and teachings in the facilitation work, um, Lynn Thomas. And then I was really, really lucky to have a good mentor in Australia that I've been able to work with. And, yeah, now we're business partners. So, yeah, been, it's been a big commitment and a lot of travel going to America twice. And, um, yeah. Yeah. My children are 10 and 12, so I've also have, had to balance, you know, the benefits of doing my dream job with motherhood. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's great. 
What what are you doing? You said you have uh, teenagers coming out. What what are you actually doing with them? Yeah, so it's all of our work in the with the school groups and equine assisted learning. Um, it looks actually the same when we work with corporate groups. So all of the work is on the ground. So that means it's not riding, um, and we're basically learning from and celebrating the way of being with the horse. So. It's basically, I, I'll communicate with the group the benefits of being around horses and what makes them so incredible um, in a teaching capacity. And then we go in and we have an experience and we have, uh, we facilitate an experience. And what that does is when the students or the, you know, clients have an experience, the learning uh, is accelerated. And because horses are so big, uh, we're increasing the risk a little bit in the learning environment compared to a classroom, let's say. So when the risk is increased, the learning actually sticks. So mm -hmm. we can, when it's done in the right way, um, yeah, the children learn a lot in a lot less time. So we have, uh, I've got two herds that I work with. So both, both herds have around 10 horses each and they're horses of every shape and variety. Okay. So there's some mini ones, there's some really big ones, there's mares, geldings, all different yeah. types of horses that we use. Do you work uh, with 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 all the herd in in the um, in the same time or do you take one horse out or or how do you do it? Uh, so the horses choose. So the horses are all at liberty. So uh, the two facilities that I work from are slightly different setups, uh, but at both facilities, we let the horses come in and out as they choose. And a lot of the time that's got meaning for the clients. And sometimes it's a breakthrough moment going, gosh, I wish if I could have a day off, I could just go to the gate and, <laughs> and have an afternoon off. And sometimes we can think, oh, the one on the one, the horse that's in the paddock, like appearing to be doing nothing, it can have more significance than the horses in the arena that appear to be doing that, you know, moving around and doing some work. So it's a nice way. We always keep the ethics of working with the animals first. Uh, so they're limited to the amount of hours that they do per day. So they might do four hours per day. And we have two paddocks where the horses can freely go and no humans go in that space. So okay. if they need to just go and be a horse, they've got their, yeah, their weekend paddock. Bye-bye. <laughs> I, 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 I have done my working them. time, so. <laughs> yeah. And some of them do. <laughs> um, it's one thing that just after, even after 10 years of doing this work, I observe that horses with, because we rescue a lot of horses to do this work, and we often, because we don't ride, will get given horses that aren't any good as riding horses. And sometimes those horses come with trauma around humans because, you know, they're not compliant in being a good ridden horse. Uh, and we find that humans often match the story of the horse. Yeah. Which is a really, uh, it's an interesting phenomenon that there's this unspoken empathy and this bond between the human and the horse because we allow at the start of the session, we allow people and horses to kind of choose each other. Yes. Yes. So wow. even after 10 years in the work, I just, 
I'm constantly, it's no two days are the same. Uh, I got goosebumps. I think it's, wow. Yeah, I can imagine uh, people with a with big trauma just being drawing to these horses. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a, a fantastic thing. You you do two good things with this. You you take in horses that are not meant to be anymore. Mostly when people have been riding them, they're just out of the space. And and then you take them and use them for therapy. That's fantastic. Yeah. And it's we we allow the horses to we call it unlearning. So, of course, we not every horse is suitable. Um, so sometimes they just retain behaviours that we can never um, quite get through. And obviously we have to have safety in the environment that we're setting for the horses and the people. Uh, but most horses actually drop any bad behaviour when they realise they can have a say. Mm. Um, and they read. So we teach, we do a safety brief, obviously, at the start to explain because a lot of most of our clients are not horse people. Um and we teach them how to read the horse's body language. And that's really where the magic is in a lot of our work is that the horses never lie. They're completely honest and yeah. they're completely in the moment about how we're showing up. Um, and they can read body language seven times quicker than we can. And so in terms of the therapeutic space, that's where a lot of the wins are made because people don't have to talk about what's going on because you can actually see it. It's it's outside. Mm. Yeah. So in, in every session, uh, sometimes it's really calm and really quiet, so people might just be brushing horses. And other times we could be doing obstacle courses and setting, like, life goals and doing teamwork and you have to get a horse over a small like cross jump without touching it. So how do you do that? <laughs> you wow, have to, yeah, yeah. You have to be able to lift your energy and communicate and move around and think about where that horse is. So there are there are many ways that we work with the horses in this environment. Yeah. How about when uh, you know some young people are very in it in in a big energy uh, can they can they come down when they get to the horse or, or how is this working that's a great question i've only ever had two in in probably thousands of kids i've only ever have had two kids that couldn't make it through the gate because whatever you know sometimes group settings are not right for children so also we have to you know ethics wise we just have to communicate um, about what's good, for, you know, everyone's best interest. But if the horses, the horses show us straight away. So if the children turn up and their energy is high, the horses will be moving around. They'll be looking around. And uh, in the first few sessions, I teach the students, a it's like a traffic light. So it's a green and amber and a red zone. So if those horses are in the red zone, we don't go in the paddock. And so the students, and we can, it's an opportunity for us to teach them how to manage their own physiology. So I'm also a breathwork coach um, and I had a background in exercise physiology. So we do a lot of um, learning how to 
regulate energy and emotions before we go into the paddock. So most, we've had some really, uh, some teachers that can't believe it's the same children because all of oh. a sudden they realise, oh, I have to come down if I want to go in there. Yeah. I've got to now <laughs> change how I'm change how I'm showing up. Uh, and that yeah. is marvellous because you can tell a kid many times, don't do that, don't do that. But if they see the mirror that, that if they don't, as you said, don't calm down, you can't touch a horse. That's a great learning. Yeah. And it's, it's really profound when we work with, so as the clients become more advanced in the work and they get to know the horses and their different stories, uh, they can explore how close they can get to horses that they wouldn't have gotten near before. Yeah. And by the end, you know, when we work with them over time, at the end of 10 weeks, they can see, oh, wow, at the start, I couldn't get near this horse and now I'm brushing him and he's okay with me. And they're not, they don't even have a halter on. So the horse is choosing to be there. Yeah. It's it's really powerful. Yeah, it must be. Uh, yeah. Um, and yeah. and I'm, I'm and just seeing a teacher, <laughs> don't do that, don't do that. But a horse can just calm them down in, in a short time. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the opposite is true. We've had some clients uh, with a disability, perhaps, or I had someone that um, had recently acquired an injury and they used to be a runner and then they couldn't run anymore. And they came to the paddock and my I had a horse with a very bad uh, hip displacement yeah. and this horse never, she was sound, but she wouldn't run much. And as soon as the client stepped in the paddock, she was running and running and running. And we looked at the client because we know the horse is showing something that's relevant. Yeah. And he just looked up and he said, that's what's happening on my insides I wish I'm going like this on the inside, but I can't actually move. And I wish I could run like that. So we had he hadn't actually processed any of how much um, his accident had taken away from him. So it's they just give us these opportunities that we wouldn't otherwise um, get for our healing and our learning and our growth in other settings. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a big thing, learning, yeah. Yeah, sometimes yeah. sometimes it's funny, you know. We get, you know, young kids that think, "Oh, I can make this horse do it," and we've got they'll pick the smallest horse, and he's a little tiny uh, pony. His name's Piccolo, and he's got so much attitude. So Piccolo, if you try and make him move, he'll just stick his feet in. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll see these kids starting to get really yeah they're right okay <laughs> how's that working for you so so yeah they they sometimes when the horses get good at their job they bring a lot of humor and non-judgment they love their work and they come yeah. in and yeah and you know obviously uh we have to make sure that they're healthy and if they're not healthy you know, we, we manage that and keep them out and give them breaks and things. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's um, you said you have two herds. Is it your own or you cooperate with, with other people? Yeah, I cooperate. So my, my uh, 
it's kind of like a lifestyle business that I run so that I get to in, enjoy working on my life's purpose. And then I cooperate with these um, charities that rescue horses. So then everybody wins because in our programs, we give back quite a lot of money um, to the charities that rescue the horses. And then that keeps them financially viable as well. That's great. It's so, great. Yeah. And it's, it's very different to see how different herds operate. Uh, we've, we've had a couple that we've lost the herd leader and it's really interesting. Uh, there's so much we can learn from herd dynamics and how the horses manage themselves in their social groups um, and how much we really have to watch them when there's a change in the leadership or something happening in the herd. We have to, as facilitators and owners and carers of those horses, we have to be really mindful of what's going on for them and that when we bring people into their space, we're adding another layer of stuff to that. Yes. So, yeah. How how, how long would um, a, a treatment or what you call it, how how long time is the students there? Is it several times or just one time? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, I like to do programs which would mean in one time it's around an, an hour. And then they would come like six weeks in a row or 10 weeks in a row. But by the end of 10 weeks, we sort of see enough change that people are ready to transition into the next thing. But always if they've got a bond and they want to come back and, and visit, that we really allow that. Yeah. And other times, so when we've got other programs where we work with veterans and first responders. So that's our police and fire and ambulance. And they can come for a full day. And in that day, we take them through a program and we teach on like strategies on how to manage PTSD. They have quiet time with the horses. We teach breath work. Um, and then because they don't have the luxury of time of coming back oh. all the time. Yeah. So our one day program is also really, um, we get a lot of good uptake on that one. I hear you have a lot of customers. How uh, how long is your day? Uh, are you there a lot of times or is it just a couple of hours a day? Yeah, it varies. So I try because I'm balancing out the commitments of motherhood. Yeah. Um, I've, I'm really lucky. We've got a team, so we collaborate with each other. So from the different facilities. So I've got a network of people that have undertaken the same training as what I've done so we can meet a quality standard and then we all help each other out. So my average week I'll be in the paddock four or five days for about four hours at a time. And then, of course, we have getting ready and the pack down at the end of the day, so it might be six hours a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's it's full time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. Full time. Yeah. yeah. And it's such a, it's a really, uh, I was finding in the transition from my corporate job because I was at a computer all the time. It was a very loud contrast to being in silent, you know, like a lot of silence when you're in with the herd, horses are silent by nature because yeah. mm -hmm. they're prey animals. So it was a very big contrast, like, dropping down into this energy of being out in nature and being near the trees and 
in with the herd and then being in an office in this very fast very small it was a big yeah. contrast yeah i can imagine yeah but you you are doing all this uh, in the herd you you don't have anything on internet about this or how is it uh, we have some information when we bring new clients in. So we have some information that we give to them uh, for for like explaining what the work is. Yeah, and then okay. the the rest of it is all out in the paddock. So, yeah, if anyone, yeah, if you've got ideas about how we can bring it more <laughs> online. Sometimes some people who work with our model, um, because even just by looking at different photos of horses, when you have good facilitation and good questioning around what comes up for people by looking at the photos, you can also, you don't get the level of feeling in the body, but you still get a level of being able to have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So... <clears throat> Anything else you want to tell about this? Uh, if if I was going to come to you, what what do you offer? Yeah, uh, we have our, our most popular program is called Beyond Resilience. So that's a six week resilience and wellbeing program, and it just goes a level like I'm not sure culturally um, if it's the same, but here. There's a very big culture of uh, it's it's cool to be like strong to get knocked down again and then get back up and mm. but it's ex it's exhausting right yeah so the yes. whole the whole concept where beyond resilience was birthed was this idea of what if you have a core way of being and you're so strong in yourself you don't get knocked down like you can see these things coming and you can make choices to avoid bad situations or you make good you know good decision and then another good decision so that's really where beyond resilience was born was like going a level deeper in emotional intelligence and being a leader in your own life so that's our that's our kind of signature program and then we do the one day you know retreats and breath work and other yeah our one day well-being programs so you yeah. feel very good when you have when when you have been with you for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we've had to learn. So in uh it hasn't where I am now with my work and my life, it hasn't come without challenges. And I've had to, you know, I've had so many struggles, you know, lose lost my best friend. She was the person who taught me horses, and that was completely out of the blue. She had a stroke. And she was my business partner, like we were in it. And then all of a sudden just, and I had to make decisions around, this is really hard. Do I keep going with it or do I just let it go? Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of that lived experience comes through. And I think when you've gone through the work and we've, because yeah. all of us on our team have done the work, then you kind of just have this knowing by just being around us and go, oh, okay, these guys are not just telling me something from a book or something from a research paper. Mm. This stuff is actually can be used tomorrow in real, real life. Yes. Yeah. And it's all done in celebration of the horse because 
you know, horses have really uh, being this, you know, I had to check my ego at the door when I started doing this work because, like I said before, I was doing my long-distance riding and I thought, you know, I'm a pretty good horsewoman. Yes. <laughs> and when when I went to the training the first time on the Sunshine Coast here, which is also east coast of Australia but two hours north of where I live, there was 43 people in the training and two people had come from America to teach us. And there was 10 horses in the herd on a 20-acre pasture, so a very, very beautiful green pasture. And these horses were just out eating. And what this one horse showed me in about five minutes has stuck and landed with me for, for 15 years. Like I'll never forget that moment because everybody in the group wanted to go up to him and kind of be like touch him and be in his space. And I just had this feeling of, it's his, it's his pasture. Maybe in there I'll go be with him. And everybody felt rejected that had gone up to touch him and I had hung back. And as this was going on, everyone had started talking about how they were feeling and he circled around and he put his head on my shoulder and just stood there for about five minutes. <laughs> and... It was just really powerful what he did. He was basically just saying thank you for for listening to my needs. Yeah. 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 So it's a great animal. So yeah. if people want to find you to to get on your courses, um, how do they find you? Yeah, so you can work with me uh, through my website. So it's www.fourcornerscoaching.com.au or on Facebook, also Four Corners Coaching uh, or Instagram. Do you have uh, people <laughs> from from country outside or is it only from Australia you have? Uh, yeah, our network is from America, uh, UK, Ireland, um, and some of my coaching clients, obviously, we'd, I have I do other work like the breath work and I've got two therapy dogs as well. Um, so, yeah, I do some work on Zoom, but mostly out in the paddock. Yeah, okay. but I love, love to, I love to meet new people, so absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's very, very nice. And I hope you will get a lot of customers. It sounds great. And especially uh, the teenagers, I think they, they need a lot of help in these days. Yeah, yeah. The teenagers are kind of by accident. I had other ideas <laughs> for my work. But, you know, uh, it's one of my teachers says find a need and fill it. And really uh, everybody can benefit from this work and mm -hmm. Yeah, teenage years are a very vulnerable time and also a good time to be shaping habits and behaviours and decisions. So, yeah. That's and sometimes they teach me as well. I've got to be humble. That yes. <laughs> children, I, I learn every single day. So it's yeah. not, um, yeah, it's a nice position to be in, to be, yeah, it's a mutual learning environment. It's not, not always us having the answers. Um, our core kind of belief is that the clients or the students have the answers within themselves and we just support them to find that. Yeah. And that's a thing that they doesn't learn in at school. 
yeah. 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 And we've had some incredible results. We had some children being able to tie their shoes that couldn't tie their shoes before and they were in their teenage years from, you know, giving them a loving push to do the gates and the buckles on every single thing. Wow. Yeah. So sometimes we have results that aren't uh, expected, but they're very nice. Of course. Yeah. 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 And I just, uh, you know, the horses are the same all around the world. And I'm just so grateful um, for this opportunity to share our love of horses and different ways of being with them. Yeah, it's it's been a pleasure to have you here. Uh, it's always interesting, and and I think it's uh, it's a great way to learn young people and older too with the horses. So thank you very much for coming today. It's uh, been interested. I'm also learning all the time. So. Uh, yeah yeah thank you Anne. thank you for the opportunity and yeah if anyone wants to reach out really really welcome to um send me a message on the website and thank you very much to all the listeners and uh, please subscribe to this channel and i'll see you again in a week so yeah. thank you very much <laughs>